Wow. Well, good morning. <clears throat> it's good to see all of you this morning. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to stand up here to share the word with you today. Pastor Jason is on a trip uh, that he had planned a long time ago, and so he's out today, and he asked me if I would to share the word. I think in your bulletin, if you open it up, it's got the scripture Ephesians chapter 1 in there. That's your homework assignment. After today's message, I want you to go back and read that passage of Scripture and look over it. There's a a lot of beautiful things that are there, and you can discover all kinds of wonderful things. This morning, where I'm wanting to to take us um, is going to begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll look at a passage of Scripture there, and then we'll go over to Luke chapter 4, and that's where we'll spend the majority of our time as we look at God's Word today. Uh, But it is an honor to be here this morning, and I'm so grateful that he's here with us. Amen? It is a, it's a privilege to come into the presence of the Lord. It's a privilege to, to join with him and, and to be with him. And so this morning, as we go to this word, I trust that he's going to speak to our hearts, and I trust that we won't be the same after he does. Why don't you stand as we go to his word, Second Corinthians Chapter 11, verse 3. Someone's excited about this passage of Scripture. (laughs) Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I am afraid, lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray from the simplicity of and purity of devotion to Christ. That's so powerful. Just simply being devoted to Him and walking with Him. We make it so many other things. And we give our devotions and our allegiance to so many other things. And what the Lord wants to remind us is, It's the simplicity and the purity of walking with him and knowing him and being devoted to him. Verse 4, For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you've not accepted, you bear this beautifully. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning that in you there is truth and in you there is salvation. Lord, in you our whole lives can be held and kept and made whole. And I ask you this morning that you would take a simple word and God, you would speak profoundly in our hearts today. We love you and we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The hour we live in is one that is uh, filled with many people pursuing many things. There are over 4,200 different religions in this world. All an attempt for people to come to know a God or many gods. People that are longing for and desiring to have something that's beyond themselves 
In the last two centuries, there have been over 40 individuals that have come and declared that they were, in fact, Jesus. To have many that would begin to follow them and walk with them only to discover that that is not who they were. And Paul is writing about this. He's warning. He's saying there are different Jesuses that are being preached and there are different spirits that can be received and there, there are um, different gospels that can be accepted. Even in Christianity today, there are many churches where the gospel has been watered down and it's been made about being legalistic and following rules and the do's and the don'ts of being a Christian. And we work hard to, to follow all the rules so that we can make sure that we're good Christians. And we even think in terms of this person is a good Christian and this person is, well, they're struggling to be a Christian. We become legalistic, possibly. Or we've made it about moralism. Or if I can just be a moral person, and the, the more moral that I am, and the, the more practices of, of, of good morals, then the, the better. And so we've seen in the church of Jesus that many times it's been made to be about how to be a better person. Self-help books. different ways you can be a better individual. And goodness, we can even make this like a country club if you want. We can, we can it's all about coming together and just being uh, together, right? And it's a social environment and we want to get as many, you know, highlights and high lifes and, and, uh, and we just make church something that God never intended it to be. Paul in 1 Corinthians <clears throat> declares something. He says in, a verse, or in chapter 1 and also in chapter 2, he makes a statement. He says, I preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what's significant. That's what's important. This morning, we're going to look in Luke chapter 4 at Jesus. We're going to look at His first message that He ever preached. And hopefully we'll glean some things about <clears throat> what is significant and important about the preaching of Jesus. Luke chapter 4, if you'll turn there with me very quickly. Luke chapter 4, verse 16 is where we'll look. Jesus was born, and you know that he came different than many people thought the way he was going to come. But there were declarations that were pronounced. Jesus, the Savior, the one who would save men from their sins, Another one, Emmanuel, God is with us. And there was an acknowledgement of the fact that the Savior had pierced through into this earth and was here. But for the most part, people didn't know who he was or what he was about. And he grew up as a carpenter's son and he uh, was a carpenter himself. And for the first 30 years of his life, we know very little about him other than he was committed and dedicated and, and uh, to God's word. But in the age of 30, he began his ministry. 
And this was the first message that he preached. He, the Bible says in verse 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, hometown. As was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, today, scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, what he was saying was, the one that I have read from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61 as we know it, the one that is mentioned there, the Savior, the one who is going to come and do all of these things that we are waiting for, he is here now, and I am he. And you would expect that they rejoiced and were excited and ran to him and gave him love and and encouragement and, and received from him because he was such a Savior. But let me tell you something, they didn't do that. If you look down at verse 28, I believe it is, they were furious. Verse 28, it says, All in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things, and they rose up and they cast him out of the city, and they led him to a brow of a hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. They wanted to kill him. How dare he stand and claim to be the Messiah? His first message didn't go so well. A lot of encouragement and hope for us, right? (laughs) It goes on to say, and he, by passing through their midst, he went on his way. This morning as I read this passage of Scripture and I, I think about that, I want to look at four foundational ministries of Jesus that we can see here. And the first one is this. He has anointed me to preach the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the good news that we talk about? What is the the true gospel that we see through the life of Christ? Well, I can tell you this right now, and if you'll go and look through scriptures, it'll tell you this. We are all sinners. We are born with a sin nature. We were sinners from the get-go because of the fall of man There's not one any better than the other in this room. All guilty of all sin. We're in a bad way, my friends, according to the Scriptures, because of the sin nature in which we've been born with. And if you're here this morning and you start going through your little list of sins and things you've done, well, you've already admitted right there, let's stop, we're in trouble. And the Scriptures go on and tell us in Romans chapter 6 that the wages of sin is death. It's not looking too good for us. In fact, We're in a lot of trouble. Because of the sin nature and because of the sins that we have been born into, death is what we deserve. Eternal separation from a living God. Oh, but I love the memory verse that I learned when I was about seven years old. John 3.16. Isn't it beautiful? There is a God in heaven that loved me so much in my midst of my sin. It says, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him, he would give eternal life, eternity with him. Because of his love, it was the love of God that motivated what he did for us in sending his son. 
Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated His love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ came and He died on a cross for us. He paid a price for your sin and my sin this morning. He paid a price on the cross so that you and I would not have to deal with the guilt and the shame of what that sin would produce in our lives and deserving of death. But His blood was shed on the cross to wash away my sins. His body was pierced and bruised and He hung there on a cross and He died on the cross to pay a price that I should have paid because of sin. Oh my goodness. And three days later, after being placed in the grave, the Bible tells us that he arose from the grave. He was resurrected. And that same resurrection power has been made available to you and me. It's his grace. You can't earn this. You don't deserve it. You're not any better than anybody else this morning. We are all in the same boat. Needy. Needy. But God. I love it. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1, to all who would believe upon him and call upon his name and accept him, he would give the right to be called children of God. And that's our hope this morning, that as we open up our hearts and call upon his name, if we receive him as our savior, that he would save us and we would be his children. Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you've been saved. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't be good enough. For by grace... You've been saved through faith. Faith in what? Faith in what Jesus did for you. Faith that He gave His life for you. That He set you free because of the price it was paid. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not as a result of your works or living up to a certain place of status but completely a gift from God, lest no man should boast. Oh, my goodness, dear friends, this will make what we sang about worth singing about. This is really good news for us this morning. This is worth getting excited about. What happened? Oh, my goodness. You see, I, I live in a world with you and, and there is an enemy that wants to come and steal our joy and rob us of the very fact of what Jesus has done for us and this gift of salvation. Every morning the Bible teaches us his mercies are new every morning and it's a beautiful thing for what he's done for us. We have much to get excited about. This is a glorious gospel I'm sharing with you. Do you know in this passage of Scripture, we can learn something else. It starts off and it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus declaring what is said here in Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Let me take you back. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. It came about while all the people were being baptized that Jesus was also baptized And while he was praying, heaven opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And the voice that came from heaven said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Do you know that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and led him and directed him? Holy Spirit spoke to him and guided his life? Look in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led out by the Spirit into the wilderness. 
Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the surrounding district. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord had come upon him. And do you know, as a believer in Christ, Holy Spirit has come upon you? Five of us are excited about that. But I'm going to tell you, Holy Spirit has come upon you. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Do you belong to Jesus? Then the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. Jesus Before going to the cross, this is what he said in John chapter 14. I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides in you and will be in you. Holy Spirit is in you. Holy Spirit is with you. Holy Spirit is there to lead you and guide you and direct you. John chapter 16, verse 7. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I must go. For when I go, if I do not go, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go to the cross and to return to the Father, I will send him to you. John chapter 16, verse 13. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. My dear friends, this news is getting better. It's getting gooder. Do you know that not only did Jesus die for my sins and set me free so that I might know God, walk with God, have a relationship with God, he sent me a helper to speak to me, to lead me, to guide me, to direct me. I'm not alone. God is with me. And his spirit leads me. Can I hear his voice? Can I follow his leading? It's good news. It's really good news. Holy Spirit. I didn't even know there was such a thing. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. For so long, I didn't understand or know that he was within me and that he wanted to lead me and guide me and speak to me and direct my path. Telling me the very words that Jesus would say to me in the morning. Helping me in my stress and in my trials and my struggles. I don't doubt many times I said, I don't know where he is. I don't know who's with me. I feel all alone. I'm by myself. No. Holy Spirit there. As we look at this passage of scripture, we see three other ministries that I want to mention very quickly to you this morning. The second one is this. Jesus proclaims this and says this. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Do you know what that means? There's deliverance. There's deliverance from what? The spirits of darkness. The tormentors. Those that would want to steal my joy and rob me of what God has done for me. There is deliverance in Christ. You got to know something this morning. When Jesus died on the cross, he took care of the devil. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Oh, but I hear about that devil, and he comes along, and he's all bad, and he's going to get me, and he's going to make me do things I don't want to do. I'm telling you something this morning. The devil has been defeated. 
What Jesus did on the cross, he ripped and destroyed the works of the enemy. Do you know I'm convinced of this, that the only power the devil has is what I give to him when I believe his lies. When I start listening to his whispers and I begin to hold on, I'm giving him power to activate and control me. But the reality is he's already been defeated. He's already been destroyed. The cross took care of that. Oh my goodness. We get so worked up about it. Well, the devil's coming against me and destroying me and he's all, listen, we have the authority, not him. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Gates don't chase you down and beat you up. We kick in gates, right? God is with us. And the works of the enemy have been destroyed. But let me tell you how it works. Matthew chapter 18 tells us and gives us a picture of this. It talks about forgiveness. Oh, yeah. Forgiveness. Do you know that Jesus made some pretty radical statements? He said, if you don't forgive, if you don't release and let go of, that tormentors will come and torment you. They will. So let me tell you how it works. Somebody offends you. How many of you have ever been offended in this room? That's all of us. Put your hands down. That's every one of us. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. I'm going to offend you. (laughs) You've been offended. You've been wounded. Somebody has done something wrong against you. Here's the enemy. He comes along and he says, hey, they're sorry. Just leave them alone. Just just stay away from them. They're pitiful. They're, They're not worth the time to forgive or go talk to or have any kind of... Just, ugh. And every time you think of them, you get that thing inside of you. Anger and hate and frustration. Had a roofer come to my house one time, talk to me about a roof, I thought. Three or four minutes into the conversation, the roofer begins to tell me about his business. Well, you know, my brother and I, we had this business 20 years ago, and he stole from me, and he robbed me of $20,000. I said, man... Really? Oh, yeah, he robbed me of $20,000 and stole all kinds of things. And as he's talking, the man's face gets angry and bitter, and he's just, and he's just oozing hate. 20 years ago. Have you ever thought about how you've been wronged and your heart start beating fast? Have you ever looked at how somebody's done you wrong and thought, if I had a chance to redo that, this is what I'd say. Don't look at me like that. I know y'all are there. Have you ever categorized people? These are the ones I really love and love and cherish. And these over here, they're not worth two cents. So I'm not going to give it to them. Unforgiveness will open up a door for the enemy to come and build a stronghold in your life. And if you're not careful, the water that comes out of you, the rivers that flow out of your life will be tainted. Do you know what that is? That's a demonic attack, an oppression. That's that's believing a lie that you didn't have to believe. Jesus comes along and says, hey, I want you to release them and forgive them because the Father has released you and forgiven you. Do you want to know how to forgive somebody? Put your eyes on Jesus and and let him speak to you about how he forgave you. Look at that. Stop looking at them. And the next thing you know, you'll be loving those who hate you and blessing those that cursed you, not because you're something special, but because Jesus inside of you has made you something special. Are you with me? 
The devil comes along and he wants to oppress and, and bring all kinds of attacks and, and destruction. And, and if we're not careful, we will be consumed. You say, are you talking about in this church? Could there be, I'm telling you this morning, in churches all over this nation, there are people that are bond, in bondage and strongholds of, of hate and discussion, just feel of fear and anger and, and just all kinds of bitterness. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus did not come and die on the cross so that you would have to live with that. Jesus did not pay a price and, and give his life for you so that you would have to walk with that torment any longer. You know how you get rid of it? You take the lie that the enemy says and you put the truth of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You speak what Jesus says about it, get in line with him, and the, the enemy has to go. He's already been defeated. He's already been destroyed. Deliverance, proclaiming the release of the captive so there's no more torment. Third thing I want to point out in Jesus' ministry, the recovery of sight to the blind. Healing. Do you know that God's name, one of God's name is Jehovah Rapha? means that he's the healer. Do you know he does not change? Do you know he didn't change his name? He is still healer. Do you know the Bible says that Jesus healed many? Turn over Luke chapter 4 over to verse 28. 38. And he arose and he left the synagogue and he entered Simon's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they made a request of him on her behalf. And standing over her, he rebuked the fever and it left her. And she immediately arose and waited on them. And while the sun was setting, all who had any sick with various diseases, brought them to him and laying his hands on every one of them, he was healing them. And I'm here to just say to you this morning, he is still healer. He is still healer. We can still call upon his name. I don't understand his ways. His ways are so much higher than mine. I've tried all kinds of different things and techniques. Well, if I pray lifting up my right leg, it'll work every time. If I pray with a, with a, with a lift and I pray with it every time, it'll work every time. No! That's God's business. Who's the healer here? God is. God is. Last week I got a, I got a call from a, a niece telling me that my nephew, who is just a few weeks old, has pyloric stenosis. Anybody know what that is? Going to have to go have surgery. Yeah, I know you know. Going to have to have surgery. In route, taking them to Dallas right now for the surgery. Going to have the surgery. Uncle Danny, would you please pray? Would you please pray? Next morning, I get a call. Uncle Danny, we didn't have to do the surgery. We didn't have to do it. Everything's okay. They sent us home and told us it was going to be okay. I called this morning after the first service because I thought, I'm not going to say that if he's gotten worse. He's doing great. This kid's doing good. No surgery necessary. I came in this morning. I said, Father, I do not want to misrepresent you in this area of healing. I want to let the people know that you are the healer. I can't explain every time how you do it and why you do it instantly over here. And then sometimes you do it over a period of time. And sometimes it doesn't even appear like you've done anything. But I walk in, a brother over here says, guess what? I said, what? He said, listen, went to the doctor a couple of weeks ago. They said I had 30, 40% blockage. I'm at 100% open clarity. I said, what did you do? He said, I got another brother in here this morning that I gave a big hug to. Last time I talked to him, he was laid up in the hospital. They were pronouncing all kinds of things on him. I was not expecting to see him. He walked up, gave me a hug, and I said, what are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be in the hospital with tubes and all kinds of diagnoses and all kinds of awful things? And he said, 
I know that you're a believing people because I get those prayer requests. Please pray for so-and-so. They need a healing. And you know what? You're praying and you're believing. I'm just here to tell you, he still heals. He still heals. He is the God who is a healer. Last ministry I want to mention this morning is this one. He sets free the downtrodden. He heals the brokenhearted. Oh, come on. Anybody ever been brokenhearted? He heals those whose spirits have been crushed. He heals those who have been wounded. He is the healer of our souls. Why are you saying all this? Because I'm telling you, in the church today, we just cope with a lot of things that he's already taken care of. He is the healer of our souls. He understands what it means to be rejected. He understands what it means to be mocked. He understands what it means to be threatened, to be killed. Remember, I read that earlier to you. He understands heartache. He gets it. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll heal your broken heart. I'll touch your need. I'll restore where the enemy has stolen. Some of you have been ripped off, broken, robbed, and I'm just telling you this morning, he is the healer of your soul. He wants to heal you. He wants to touch those broken places so that they are no longer a broken place that causes you grief, but so that they are trophies that you may lift up and say, look what my God did for me. I was rejected and broken, and look what he did for me. I'm still here with joy. Do you know, in Christ there is joy because of what he's done for us. He calls you and welcomes you to be touched by him. You fix your eyes upon him and you begin to sing to him and look to him and worship him and adore him and taking your eyes off of the the great problem and all of a sudden you begin to see that great problem beginning to diminish. All of a sudden you begin to hear those words that were screaming in your ears that you're a failure, you're never going to make it, you don't have it, you've already blown it, you don't have any hope. You begin to Listen to what he says, who calls you his child, who comes and restores you and begins to build you. And all of a sudden, those lies begin to fade out. And he restores your soul. This is the ministry of Jesus. And you know what I love? At the end of Luke chapter 4, he says, I'm getting to proclaim this because this is the year. This is the favorable year of the Lord. Do you know what the favorable year of the Lord is? We're in it. It means that Jesus went and took care of all this for us. Guess what? This is the good news. This is the gospel that changes a life. This is the God who restores and lifts up and takes what was devastated and destroyed by sin and begins to rebuild and reform and reshape and make whole once again. Oh, that God would open our eyes that we might see the glorious 
gospel in which he has given to us. Oh, that we would hold on to and never listen to a false gospel, a false Jesus or a false spirit that would want to come and rob us. Oh, that we would live in such a way, understanding and proclaiming that this is the year of the Lord. And all of these things that he's mentioned here are mine as his children. He's called us, church. You say, why is Pastor Danny crazy? Why is he preaching this stuff? Because I'm telling you, I know too many families. I know too many families that would say they are followers of Jesus and they're getting their lights beat out of them. I I know too many kids that are listening to the lies of the enemy and they're defining their identity on what someone else has said and not on what he has said. I know too many girls that are broken, feeling all alone and abandoned because they weren't good enough. I know too many young men that are trying to prove themselves over and over and over only to gain the favor and the acceptance of a father or someone else. I know too many people that have heard reports from the doctors and they're scared to death. They're shaking. I know too many families that are being torn apart and ripped apart because they don't know the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and the price that was paid so that they might be free. And my dear brothers and sisters, many of them are in church buildings today. But I thank God for the good news. I thank God this morning that we can stand and proclaim with great confidence the power of our God and the beauty of his gospel and the beauty of what he has done for us. I thank God this morning that we can stand with tears running down our cheeks and declaring that he reigns and he is our God and he is our Lord and we look to him this morning. And I just remind you this morning, as Pastor Darren was talking about, that tuning, that tuning our hearts that we might have the, the, the revelation and be able to praise our God for his grace and his mercy. That's what his word does for us and that's what his spirit does for us and that's what he's got for us this morning. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you for your glorious gospel, the glorious word of your voice from your spirit. Lord, I thank you this morning that we have much to rejoice about and much to celebrate. I thank you this morning that the devil is a liar and has been defeated. I thank you, God, that you have made a way for freedom, that you have made a way that we might stand up and walk in you, not in our own strength, not in what we can do, but God, in what you have done for us, your glorious, amazing grace. God, I thank you this morning that you set the captives free and you heal the brokenhearted and you, God, wash away our sins. It is you, God, who touches our bodies in a moment and can bring healing and restoration. It is you, God, who does these things and we give you praise this morning, God. We exalt you this morning, my God. We thank you that you are worthy of all of our praise and honor this morning. We bless you for your glorious word. 
Awaken us. That, Lord, we would carry this everywhere we go. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My dear brothers,